everybody. Boy, what a, what a blessing. I love to be in the house of the Lord. Uh, Matthew chapter 24, verse 37. We're going to preach on the subject this morning of uh, as it was in the days of Noah and Lot. As it was in the days of Noah and Lot. We'll start off with Matthew 24, 37 through 39. And uh, well, then we're going to go over to Luke. But let's pray and let's uh, let's trust God to give us a, a wonderful day in church today. Father, thank you for the opportunity again that you've given us to serve you. Thank you for this wonderful day. And we love you and we love what you're doing. And we pray that you'll open up our eyes and help us with spiritual understanding. We pray that you'll give us solid, wonderful hearts that uh, have tremendous faith and a joy that we could walk all week long with the joy of the Lord. Help us put a song in our heart and, and help us to be, uh, our countenances to be lit, lit up and <clears throat> help us to indeed, Lord, please, to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. And we ask you to bring, bring more, more people our way and bring us their way that we might be able to be a blessing and, and give a better witness for people. And God, we pray that you'll do great things with us, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew 24, <clears throat> verse 37, it said, Jesus said this, But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. And he explains it. He says, For as in the days... Uh, that were before the flood, <clears throat> they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in, giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not, they knew not, until the flood came and took them all away, so also the coming of the Son of Man be. That so shall it be. So isn't that a sad uh, thing? And I don't want to concentrate on all the negative today because um, that's, that's hard on our hearts. It really is. But you know that we're in the days of Noah uh, as it was in those days. And <clears throat> we'll go back and take a look at that. It's uh, not, not uh, exactly uh, completely spelled out with Jesus in this verse. But when you go back and look at the days of Noah, you'll find out it was an incredibly evil, dark time. And <clears throat> they did not know when the flood came that it was coming. They had no idea. And I submit to you that's exactly what's going to happen. If Jesus were to come back today, most of the world would not even realize what happened. It is a spectacular mystery how Jesus is going to come back uh, for us. And then he's going to come back with us. Uh, he came to his own in, in the, uh, the birth that he uh, was, was given, a miraculous virgin birth. He came to his own, the Jews first, and the, his own received him not. But to as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. Then when he comes back next time, it'll be for us to get us. And then when we have... <clears throat> time to be judged then the bible says he'll come back with us he came to his own then he's going to come for us and then he's going to come with us now this is a depiction of the time when he's going to come uh with us 
uh, right now, uh, if Jesus came back today, the only people that would know it would be the, the people that are saved. We would be the only one aware of, of the coming of Jesus. So the rest of the world, they're not going to know anything about it. The, the people are going to be missing. Christians are going to be missing. No doubt. <clears throat> but the Bible says that there's a pre-planned um, uh, delusion in Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 2 that's all pre-planned that the devil is going to deceive the whole world. If we should be raptured today, it's all set up that the, the devil would swoop in and give some kind of explanation as to the disappearance of all these Christians, and uh, there would be a lot of confusion. But, but realize this, that's all planned out. The only people that are left at the coming of the Lord for us when we, when we are escaping the world, the only people that are left are unbelievers and children. And thank God that there's children that are left that are going to get saved. So if Jesus comes back today, those people that are uh, dead set against God, they hate, they don't want anything to do with the Bible, they're unbelieving, they've rejected Christ, he, know, he knows. By the way, nobody's going to get accidentally left behind. God doesn't make any, any uh, uh, he doesn't make any mistakes. He, he's not going to omit, oh, angel, go back, go, go, go back and get Brother Carlson. Uh, no, Brother Carlson's going to go. And he's up there. And uh, go back and get that. No, he's, he's there too. She's there. She's there. Every, God's not going to make any mistake in the rapture. So there's not going to be a residual gleaning of, oh, they, they didn't all go. They got saved. No, no. The Bible says that we are going to be caught up together with the Lord in the air. That's when he comes for us. People that are left, of course, are children that uh, yet uh, are under the age of accountability, maybe, or yet to re-save. There's going to be a lot of people saved in the in the Revelation. There's going to be a lot of people. Um, so realize this, that Jesus had said that when the Son of Man comes, he said that no man knows the hour or the day. Look at verse number 36. But of that day and hour knoweth no man. No, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. He gave that, that, that acclamation to his Father. And he even subserviated himself to the Lord God Almighty, his Father, and said, nobody knows when this is going to happen. Not even the angels, just my Father only. Now, with that in mind, let's go to Luke chapter 17 and verse 26. Luke 17, 26. So Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, and as it was in the days of Lot as well. Let's look at Luke 17, verse 26 through 30. He says, And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, he says, likewise, same way. Also, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought and sold, they planted and they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, 
It rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. So there's lots of uh, information about the end of the world in the Bible. But to this morning, I think it's, un, uh, it's, it's, it's just unmistakably true that Noah and Lot lived in a time of great sin. Did you know that Lot was surrounded by homosexuality? It was Sodom and Gomorrah. It was terrible. It was like living downtown San Francisco or someplace. I don't know. There's some really bad areas in our country. But they were living in the middle of that. And you say, well, that had to affect Lot. But I'm going to show you that Lot was a wonderful, just, godly person. Even though he was in the middle of a terrible cesspool. And so is it as it was with Noah. He was living in a time when it was terrible. And I want to bring out the thought today that no matter what we see, God has grace and mercy for all of his people. We, we are not overcome by the circumstances of this world. And uh, we, we say, well, the Lord's going to burn this place down. He will. And the Lord's going to flood the earth with, with terrible judgment. The, the, the great tribulation's coming, and the first three and a half years is going to be relatively peaceful. But boy, that three and a half years at the end of the tribulation is going to be more trial and, and devastation. Uh, but, we're, but, but that's true. But that's true. But remember, God's also a God of grace and mercy. And he, he loves to have mercy on people. So Noah and Lot are similar in that way. Men, in many areas, they're similar. They are both mentioned by Jesus as Jesus explains the end of the world and the shocking reality of the fact that when he returns, nobody's going to be ready for him. They're going to be unaware. They're going to be caught off guard. They're going to be caught without oil in their lamps. They, when the bridegroom comes, there's people supposed to be at the wedding. They're not going to make it because they weren't ready for it, meaning they weren't saved. If you're saved, you're ready. Just want to throw that out. Amen. If you're saved, you are ready. You, uh, my, my buddy, he said, there's people that just barely make it into heaven. I said, what do you mean? He goes, yeah, they weren't, they weren't quite ready mentally, but they were saved. They got their robes burned on the way up. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Uh, I, I, I plan on getting there like, first in line. Anyway, let's go to Genesis chapter 6 and see just what they faced because uh, we, we are not unlike that. We have a world around us that is, uh, well, I could say this. I think uh, darkness is, um, you know, have you ever seen the sun go down and have you ever traced a shadow? How many have you ever seen a shadow when you, you looked at the ground and you tried to watch the shadow? Um, if, if, you're, if you stare at it, if it's noonday, you don't see it move very fast. But as the sun begins to set, the shadows, uh, they move pretty quick. And I think that's really exciting to watch that, that shadow move across the grass or move across the parking lot at a faster rate as the sun uh, rays are, are longer. And uh, I feel real tall when the sun's going down, if, if I look at my shadow. But anyway, that's what happens. You can see the time. I feel like it's not noonday as much as it was a long time ago, I feel like the sun is setting a little bit quicker than normal, and I feel like the shadows are lengthening and darkness is, is, is coming a little bit quicker. I could be wrong. I hope I am. 
I, ho I hope that uh, our faith is uh, just in incredibly blessed. I hope revival comes. Wouldn't that be great? You know, you know what I like about revival? It's when it shocks you too. That it never happened. It won't happen. The whole world's going to fall apart. It's not going to. No way. And then God does something and says, I guess I was wrong. I hope I am. You know, you know what encouraged me? I'll just tell you this. I heard a clip of, of Trump in Alabama. <laughs> it gives me hope. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great, though, if God gave us a, a better president and um, all of a sudden everything turned around again? Can, can God do that? I believe he can. I hope he does. I hope I'm dead wrong. But while we wait for that, let's remember, we're living in the days of Noah and we're living in the days of Lot. Let's look at Genesis chapter number 6, verse 1 through 8. Let's take a, take a little look here and see what in the world uh, Noah had to face. And it is fascinating what God did for him. It says in verse number 1, It came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all that they chose. And the, and the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. And there were giants in the earth in those days. Uh, when you think of the giants, you can think of uh, really big giants. It could be people, it could be dinosaurs, they're just huge giants. But, the, but, but you, you look at David when he slew the giant. I've never seen a guy that's nine foot six. Mm -hmm. That's about how tall uh, uh, Goliath was. Plus he had, he had brothers and he had a father. Uh, there was a whole family, Og, the king of the Bashan, uh, king of the giants. So there were giants in those days. And the Bible says in verse 4, in the earth in those days, and also after that, the sons of God came in unto daughters of men and they bare children unto them the same became mighty men which were old men of renown now in verse 5 it says god saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth that it's happening again and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually be careful of the imaging that your heart produces. Uh, you can have wrong imagery in your own heart. You can actually, your heart will give you imagery. It will produce images in your own mind uh, without television or any other source. Your mind and heart will conjure up images. And you, you need to have the word of God in your heart all the time. You need to wash your heart with the word of God so those images don't uh, take over. Uh, but it said this imagination. Everybody knows what imagination is, right? So these people didn't have television back then. They didn't have any source of media, but their minds was were, were corrupted, and they imagined things, imagined evil thoughts of their heart. It was only evil continually. So you see, the whole generation was just messed up. And it was dirty and defiled and creepy and sick. 
And it was so bad that God said, I'm going to wipe everybody out. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. It repents me that I even made man. You see how that he gave mankind the uh, freedom to think and do as he pleases. That's proof right there. So let's look at verse uh, 6. It says, it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. The Bible says in the New Testament, grieve not the Holy Spirit, which uh, you're sealed unto the day of redemption. Grieve not, uh, don't grieve God, don't, don't put his heart at grief. Uh, don't grieve your friends, don't grieve your parents, don't grieve your children. Don't put grief on them. God was grieved at his heart because of the imaginations and thoughts. Only evil of all those people. And verse 7 says, The Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. Uh, did he do it? He did it, didn't he? And he did it. And he's going to do it again. It's going to happen. I don't know when. But aren't you glad God had grace on Noah and his wife and his three sons and their wives? There were eight souls in that ark, along with all the bunny rabbits and stuff, all the, all the, the animals. Isn't God good? So at the same time, you've got all this happening again, and yet you and I, we're in the ark. Do you realize we're inside the ark already? And there's not, this time, there's, we're not bringing any kitty cats with us, brother. I mean, we're going up with brothers and sisters. There's, gonna be no, there's not going to be any bunny rabbits on this, on this ark. This one, we're getting out of here. And the thing about it is, is that it's just as evil because Jesus said it would be, as in the days of Noah. You see where the whole world's going, don't you? And it's going to happen. So we can, trust, we can trust God and we can say that, man, I, I'm so glad that Jesus saved me. I'm so glad he's my Savior. I'm so glad I know it. And by the way, that door was open to the ark and uh, he saved, God looked around and he saved people that uh, were believers and he had grace on them. By the way, Noah had sinned enough that if God wanted to, he could have wiped out Noah too, right? Did you know Noah was a righteous man, a preacher of righteousness, but he too was a sinner? And he got saved. And his wife got saved. His sons got saved. Their, their wives got saved. And they got saved in such a wonderful way. God had grace on them. Now, let's go over to Genesis chapter 14 and see, unfortunately, what Lot had to deal with. Lot had a real big problem himself. You would have thought that they, they wouldn't have the problem anymore because they got rid of all those evil people. Um, you know, at the flood, uh, the, the water was up on the earth, I think, somewhere around six months. It was almost, almost six months that the, that the waters, before they totally receded, it was cleansed. But you think that would have been enough? But I submit to you the reason why God is going to uh, do it again is because Adam, or excuse me, Noah and his sons and their wife, they were sinners too. And they propagated again, and the earth filled up with people again. And sure enough, it's going to get that way. Listen, sin has to be eradicated. 
Sin has to be wiped out. Um, in Genesis 14, let's look at this. Praise God. Verse 1 through 12. Now let's look and see what happened in Genesis 14 where poor Lot. Wow. And it came to pass in the days of Amraphel, king of Shinar, uh, Arioch, the king of Eleazar, Chedorlaomer, excuse me about that, Chedorlaomer, king of Elam, title, king of nations, that these made war with Bera, king of Sodom. By the way, you might want to circle the word war right there. That's the first time you'll ever see the word war in your Bible. And look what it has to deal with. Sodom and Gomorrah. Homosexuality. It's evil. It says, Bera the king of Sodom and with Bersha king of Gomorrah. So you got Bera and Bersha. I don't know if they knew each other. But they were evil. King of Sodom and Gomorrah. Way back in the days, they still had this same problem. Perversion. Perversion. Terrible. It's happening in America all over the place. How normal is homosexuality today? It is getting part of society just as much as Chevrolet, baseball, and apple pie. It's everywhere. In fact, if you have enough guts to say anything about homosexuality today, you could get fired from a job just by standing up and say, that is wrong. Oh, my goodness. About, about six years ago, I think it was six or seven years ago, I was coming out of Starbucks getting into my car, and I saw, I saw two men, and it just, it just revolted me. I just felt like throwing up. And I, I'm not going to apologize. I probably shouldn't have said it, but as I was walking by, I said, that's filthy, sick, and filthy. And they looked at me, and, and one guy said, whatever. I'm sorry. Did I do something wrong? I don't think I did. I don't want that to be normal. First time I ever saw it, I was going to a football game in San Francisco. I got off the, the cab. My buddy and I were going to a football game. This was in 19, I'll tell you when it was, 1977. No, no, no. Yeah, 1977. And I got out of the cab. Me and Doug, we went to a, a football game, and I saw that. And I, it was clear across the street, up the way in the next intersection. I, I was so shocked. First time I ever saw that. And I yelled. I said, no! And Doug said, what are you doing, man? What are you doing? I said, no, no. Well, maybe that was a little emotional, but I got it out there. They just, oh, my soul. And I still feel the same way. I hope it's not normal to you. Look at Genesis chapter 14. Again, I'll get back on message here. Bera and Bersha. Huh. Sodom and Gomorrah. Shinab, verse number 2, king of Adman. Shimber, king of Zeboim. And the king of Bela, which is Zoar. All these were joined together in the vale of Siddim, which is the salt sea. Twelve years they served Chedorlaomer, 
And in the 13th year, they rebelled. And in the 14th year came Chedorlaomer and the kings that were with him and smote the Rephaims and Ashtaroth, Karnaim, uh, and the, Z the Zuzims, and Ham, and the Emims, and Shaver, uh, Sheva, uh, Kirathaim, and the, uh, the Horites in their Mount Seir, and El Paran, which is by the wilderness. And they returned and came to En Mishfat, which is Kadesh, and smote all the country of the Amalekites, uh, and also the Amorites that dwelt in Hezron and Tamar. And there went out the king of Sodom, and the king of Gomorrah, and the king of Admah, and the king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, and the same as Zoar. And they joined battle with them in the vale of Shittim, with Cheder Laomer, the king of Elam, and with title king of nations, and Amraphel, the king of Shinar, and Arioch, the king of Elisar, four kings with five, and the vale of Siddim was full of slime pits, and the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled and fell there, and they that remained fled to the mountains. And they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their victuals and went their way. And they took Lot. Now, that's, that's Abraham's brother's son. That's Abraham's nephew. Now, you say, what was he doing there? Well, he was living in Sodom and Gomorrah. He was vexed. He was surrounded. That's, that's unfortunate. You say, well, why did he live there? I don't know. Why didn't he get out? He did get out. But listen, just because people are doing evil doesn't mean we have to agree with them and partake of it. Lot was not partaking of anything. Lot was not an evil man. Not Lot was a good man. He was a righteous man. He was just. That means he was saved. Now let's go on and I want to show you what happened. So there came one, uh, excuse me, and they took all the goods, uh, verse 12, and they took Lot, Abram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom, and his goods, and departed. And there came one that had escaped and told Abram, the Hebrew, for, for he dwelt in the plain of Mamre, the Amorite, brother of Eshcol, and brother of Amor. And these were confederate with Abram. And when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, or his, his brother uh, and his family, of course, he armed his trained servants born in his house, 318, and pursued them unto Dan. And he divided himself against them, he and his servants uh, by night, and smote them and pursued them unto Hobah, which is on the left hand of Damascus. And he brought back all the goods and also brought again his brother Lot and his goods and the women also and the people. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter of Chedorlaomer and of the kings that were with him in the valley of Sheva, which is the king's dale. And Melchizedek, the king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of, of the Most High God. Now, you know what happened right after this? Sodom and Gomorrah was wiped out, completely wiped out. 
And if you'll notice that uh, uh, Lot, he was told to get out, get ready, you're leaving. And so he got ready to go. Let's go to Genesis 19. And let's uh, start with verse 15. Genesis 19, verse 15. And when the morning arose, the angel hastened Lot. Remember, Lot was a good man. Lot was just. He was surrounded by evil. And saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And while he lingered, the men laid hold on his hand and upon the hand of his wife and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him. Isn't that wonderful? And they brought him forth and set him without the city. They took him by the hand and they pulled him out. And it came to pass when they had brought them forth abroad that he said, Escape for thy life. Look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. And Lot said unto them, Oh, not so, my Lord. Behold, now thy servant hath found grace in thy sight, and thou hast magnified thy mercy, which thou hast showed unto me, saving my life. I, and I cannot escape to the mountain, lest some evil take me. Uh, and I die. Behold, now this city is near to flee unto. It is a little one. Oh, let me escape thither. Is it not a little one? And my soul shall live. And he said unto him, See, I have accepted thee concerning this thing also, and uh, that I will not overthrow this city for the which thou hast spoken. Haste thee, escape thither, for I cannot do anything till thou be come hither. Therefore, the name of that place, or the name of that city is called Zoar. The sun was risen upon the earth when Lot entered into Zoar. Then, then the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. It really did happen. He really did destroy those cities. He really did bring a flood. And he really is going to judge the world. But the thing we have in common, so wonderful with Lot and Noah, is that we are in the ark and we have help. We're going to be taken out. Be sure that you never lose that, that joy to know that God, has, he's never changed. He's going to do it again. But what happened? Look at verse number 25. And he overthrew the cities and the plain and the inhabitants of the cities and that which grew upon the ground. But his wife looked back from behind him and she became a pillar of salt guess who didn't look back lot now let's go over and see is lot was was lot uh was he a bad guy no no the bible doesn't say anything about him getting affected other than he was vexed he was surrounded with it it didn't penetrate him he wasn't one of them just, he lived in Sodom and Gomorrah, but he wasn't one of them. He was different. He was saved. Let's look at Second Peter for just a minute. I like this because a lot of people uh, don't realize that even in places of absolute perversion and wickedness, there are people who are saved. And uh, there's, there's some evil places in this world. Listen, even in the deepest, darkest places of Saudi Arabia, Jordan, uh, Iran, Iraq, Syria, any, there's, there's lots of people there that have accepted Christ as their Savior, but you're not going to hear about them. 
Because if you knew about them, they'd be killed. In Lebanon, uh, we're going to go to Second Peter. We're going to tell you this story. I saw a, uh, a car driving down the road. My wife and I were coming out of the library in Linden uh, maybe 15 years ago, something like that, maybe maybe somewhere. A lady had a, had a car for, for sale. So my car was getting beat up, and I said, let's go chase it down. So Julie said, sure, let's chase her down, because she was speeding away, and I thought, that's the kind of car I'd like. That looks like I could do it. So we, we chased her to her house. She pulled up in the garage, uh, the parking lot of her house, the driveway, and we pulled up right behind her. And she got out and looked at us like, what? And I said, ma'am, we're not, we're not stalking you. I'm Pastor Shaver. This is my wife, Julie. We saw the for sale sign in your car. We just want to talk to you about how much you want for the car. She looked relieved, you know. So uh, anyway, we bought the car, but she told us a story. Uh, she and her husband had the most wonderful Christian daughter, and she went to Lebanon to pass out tracts and to be a missionary. She was a missionary in Lebanon, and she was murdered because she was passing out tracts. And they have that terrible heartbreak on their, on their heart and soul forever. She's in heaven, but Miss, Mrs. Pender, I think it was Pender, she told me, and she, she's a wonderful gal, and her husband, just sweet people. I see them once in a while having coffee. And uh, so we bought the car, and uh, she told us the story. And then years went by, and I always thought, you know, that's modern-day martyrdom right there. She was passing out gospel tracts, and she was killed. They murdered her in the street. Guess what happened? Her mother found out where she was killed. And she went to Lebanon and passed out tracks at the same spot. And they were very well received. It was almost like her blood sort of cleansed the way for the gospel to be given at that, at that point. I, I would, I would love to have her here to tell you the story. It's the sweetest story. But she told Julie and I that she was passing out tracks on the very spot. And I, I say that, that say this, there's people all over America that are saved. And there's people all over the world that know Jesus as their Savior. In, in places where you would think that you wouldn't want to say a word. But there's a book that I read called Son of Hamas. I think I told you about it. He was the son of one of the Hamas leaders that hate Israel from the Gaza Strip. Um, and they were evil men, about seven or eight of them. And they were the head of the Palestinian organization in Hamas. Well, one of their sons got saved, had a track, and went to a Bible study in Jerusalem. And a missionary got to reach him. He got saved. And he got to re witness to his dad. And his dad didn't murder him, but he gave the gospel. And the, the, uh, the Israeli Mossad, uh, they actually used him against Hamas to save other lives. But it was because somebody had a track in a wicked place among people. Listen, you don't get too far in Jerusalem when you're talking about Jesus. 
and God bless them, but they don't, they don't accept him anymore. They'll put up with you, but they don't want anything to do with Jesus, and especially the Arabs and especially the Hamas people, especially the Al-Qaeda and all those folks over there. Islam is really thick. Even in Jerusalem, they have Israelis and they have Arab. They have the whole thing. The Jews don't believe in Jesus, neither do the Arabs. And yet here's a missionary giving out a track. And he just happens to be the son of one of the Hamas leaders. And he got saved and he wrote a book. I, I wish I had more copies of it. So let's take a look at Lot. What was he? What, what, how, how was he? He's not just like you and me. Look at 2 Peter 2 in verse number uh, 1, if you will, please. 2 Peter 2, 1. But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that, brought, uh, that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction, and many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom they, the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. That's today. Folks, that's, that's what's happening right now. If, if, if you're a good guy and you believe in the right thing, you're evil spoken of. You are, you are from Mars right now if you're, if you're a Christian. And that's okay. That's all right. Let God use you. Let it, let it go. You know, just let it be so. I mean, if that's the way it is, then own it right own jesus own your bible own your track own your faith verse three and throughout there's through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not and their damnation slumbereth not for if god spared not the angels that sin but cast them down to hell and delivered them in the chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. And spared not the old world, uh, but saved who? Noah. Saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly, and turning cities of, there's, there's Lot now. See, they, they knew what Jesus said, as in the days of Noah and Lot. Here's Noah and Lot. Peter paid attention, didn't he? Now he's talking about Lot. Look at verse 6. And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an ensample unto those that after should live ungodly. And delivered who? Just, Just Lot. That doesn't mean only Lot. That means saved Lot. He was just. Lot was a saved man. And Lot, just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. So he was in amongst a city or two that was absolutely insidiously evil, and yet he was a, he was a good man. You can be a good man. What, whatever they're doing, listen, I, I know Tim and I know what it is to be on a, on a Navy ship full of evil conversation. It is absolutely hideous. It is so filthy and dirty when I was in. I don't know how it is now, but I don't want to find out. <laughs> I just know it was bad. Every single moment of every day, there was such cursing and vile conversation. Every moment of every day, you could not get away from it. 
I know how that is. But look at verse 8. For that righteous man, you see what God called Lot a righteous man. He was just and he was righteous and he was a recipient of the grace of God. It says, for that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under the day of punishment to be a judgment and punished. So it says, my Bible says Lot was just. He was righteous. He hated it. It was vexed. They felt the conversation. And he was, he was going to get out. God had mercy on him. God knew his heart. God knew Noah. He found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Guess what's going to happen to us? Well, I don't care what happens in this world. And I've said that over and over. But they both saw the awesome power of God's hand on their lives. Today, I think we're witnessing some of God's judgment. I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a prophet. I just know, boy, there's a, there's a mandate coming again tomorrow. Did you know that? Tomorrow, I guess, you got to, some places are going to make you wear masks again. I don't understand what the difference is from today and tomorrow. I'm still the same guy tomorrow as I was today. I feel just as good today as I will tomorrow. When I wake up tomorrow, I'm going to feel just as good as I do today. What in the world has anything to do with life of this deadline tomorrow? What is it about tonight at 12 o'clock? I think I found out. Secretly, without anybody knowing, the virus is going to creep into the county. And just at 12 o'clock midnight, when the deadline starts, I'm going to have to wake up and put my mask on. However, however, if you're a school teacher or if you are a, um, a union member or if you're part of the governor's staff or if you are a, a, a senator or a congressman, I think there's some exemptions for you. See that? That's the day we're living in. Doesn't make sense. <laughs> hey, I got a new job. I don't have to get vaccinated anymore. I'm part of the staff. Well, you might get staff infection. <laughs> I don't know. But I'll tell you what. It's not equitable. It's not fair. It's not. Uh, it, it's not um, uh, what you call um, consistent at all. That's the day we're living in. I'm just going to plow right through it. I'm going to get up tomorrow. I'm going to say, Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you for being my Savior. Thank you for loving my church. Thank you for the, the Lord Jesus. Let's bow our heads for prayer.